TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning, America, world. This is Brady Stiffon, two guys and a mic. Coach is out, hoping to hear from the big dog this morning, this fine Monday morning, uh, in the city of Chicago. Again, I'm Brady Stiff, here with you, in for the coach. Welcome to the show. Hope you all had a good weekend, a good Father's Day. Uh, it's a little bit dreary out here in Chicago. Not as warm and, and sunny as it was over the weekend, but that's okay. We'll make it. Uh, on the show today, we'll talk about uh, the baseball weekend that was. Uh, here in Chicago, we'll talk about some Cubs, some White Sox. We'll talk some World Cup with Neil Malone uh, during the hour. And we'll also talk uh, some U.S. Open. Brad McDowell winning his first PGA Tour event uh, over the weekend. Nice Father's Day present for his dad, uh, who was in California from Northern Ireland. David Olson on the other side of the glass, making sure we're on the air. Hopefully we are. I think we are. Uh, so we're hoping to hear from Big Dog, and uh, let's start off right away though with uh, with some Chicago baseball, and the uh, the Cubs. Well, I'm a Cubs fan, and uh, I'm disgusted by the way this team played over the weekend. You lose seven to six on Friday to the Angels. I mean, the Angels are, are a pretty decent team, uh, but uh, you lose seven to six, you lose twelve to nothing, and then you win twelve to one. Uh, and while we're at it, let's bring in big dog Joel Radwanski. What's going on, man? Uh, what's up, Brady? It, 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 that's just the whole thing that confounds me about this team. I, I don't understand it. They play horrible the day before. They lose a close one in, uh, in 7-6 the two days earlier. And, you know, the sad thing is they'll probably lose their next three games by one run, and they'll lose them 2-1, to 2-1, to 3-2, to two, and they won't be able to score any runs. In these games, that does seem to be the problem with this team. They can't put together consistent offensive efforts. I think yesterday they scored enough runs to last them the entire week. Well, they've got six games this week. Uh, how are, how in the world are they going to um, to score runs? I mean, this this team is just really inconsistent, consistently inconsistent, if you will. And, and they seem to do it uh, the same way every single time. It's uh... They usually don't have a leadoff hitter who gets on, and when they do have people on, they can't get them over. They can't hit in the clutch. They can't situational hit. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, they're they're full of a bunch of sluggers, but they're not. They don't have any ball players. Is their problem? Right. That is exactly what's wrong with the Cubs. You look at teams like the Rays, um, the Angels, who who play the game sort of with a National League style. You know, running, bunting, uh, hit and run. And the Cubs are are more of an American League style. They're they're relying on doubles and home runs. I mean, where did this team? How far how far has this team dropped from their 2008 form, where they were the best team in the league? Uh, obviously, they didn't you know pr- perform well in the playoffs, but during the regular season, they won almost 100 games, and now they're going to struggle to win 75. Yeah, and well, that team, you know, Marco Rosa was a leader on that team. You know, he might not be the greatest player ever, but you know, he seemed to do whatever the team needed to win. You know, and you talk about a guy that. You know, played second base that drove in 86 runs. You know, he, I don't know. I don't even know if he had 20 homers. I know he didn't hit even 290, 
but he did the things the team needed to win, and that's exactly what this team is missing is an approach. And when they go to the plate, figure out what the situation is. Oh, there's a guy at second and nobody out. I'm going to try to hit the ball to the right. Maybe I'll get a single, but at worst we'll have a guy at third base. I but think... now even if, if they do that now, the guy behind him will strike out or pop up and they won't <laughs> even drive the run in. So. Right. It seems like every time there's a crucial situation, it's it's Derek Lee or Aramis Ramirez or Alfonso Soriano. And early in the season, Alfonso Soriano was, was having a great year, but now he's, he's cooled off a little bit, just like he always does. Um, you know, Lee can't hit a fastball off a tee, and Ramirez is hurt. Um, you know, I think Marlon Byrd is sort of the Mark DeRosa. Um, That's a great point. He really is. But at the same time, he can't do it by himself. You know, he only comes up one out of every nine times uh, in the order, and he can't drive in every run. He can't hit every home run. Uh, he can catch a lot of balls out there in center field, but um, he just he can't do it all. And baseball is the most individual team sport out there, and you have to put everything together, and the Cubs just can't put everything together for an extended period of time. Yeah, it, it, Marlon Bird was a perfect example because like the Cubs have a bunch of holes in their lineup too. Like they need a they need a number one hitter, they need a number two hitter, they need a number three hitter. They need number four hitter, you know, because there's different styles. And right now, Marlon Bird would be the best. The way he's played so far in the first 67 games of the year, he or 69, he'd be the best at every one of those positions for the Cubs. So, I mean, it's it's pretty sad about how far this team has fallen. And a hundred and forty-four million dollar payroll. You know, I looked <laughs> up the other day, Brady. There has never been a team that made at least a hundred and eighteen million dollars that has ever had a losing record in the history of Major League Baseball. All the this Cubs. Team, Cubs are well yeah. on their way. They're going to break the record by $27 million. <laughs> That's incredible. I wonder what Tom Ricketts is thinking this morning as he, as he has his morning coffee and is looking at the Wall Street Journal. Why did I take this team? Well, <laughs> well they, at, least, at least if he's looking at the Wall Street Journal, he's, he's, if he's going to make money, he's going to make money this year, even though he's <laughs> yeah. got such a horrible payroll. But, I, you know, I have no problem. With teams spending money, not spending money, is you develop within your organization, and this is something that this team hadn't done for years. Now, hopefully, the last couple of years, it seems like with with uh, Kashner and, and, and Colvin, that maybe they're changing this whole like they're actually changing what's going on. If you could develop stuff in the middle and only have to spend big money on a few players instead of every single player, that'll really help them. But if you think about it, all this all the big money players that they have, Fukudome. Uh, Soriano, uh, Lily, even though Lily, is, he's pitched all right. Uh, Dempster, he's pitched all right. Uh, the only ones that are of the big money guys that, that the Cubs have, it's really only uh, Zambrano that's the homegrown one. Everybody else, uh, Lee, Aramis Ramirez, I know all those guys aren't free agents. But, but the, the sad thing is this team has never really developed talent, and that's why they have to throw money at so many people. And I don't care what anybody says. You get a big paycheck. There's something that happens where you feel comfortable. Look, you, sure. you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. That that I think that's the problem is all these guys are like, hey, I'm set for life now. Let's just I'm going to go to the ballpark and you know take a couple at bats and go home. I, I almost feel like that's what this team is facing right now. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, you look at Soriano's contract when they signed him, it was at eight years, 136 million. I mean, how, how do you not you know just say, well, I'm set. You know, they have to pay me. You know, yeah, no, no matter what happens. <laughs> exactly. You show up. Hey, I want to get your take on uh, Lou's comments uh, after Saturday's game, that 12 to nothing loss where Jeff Baker had a couple errors in one inning. Um, he said, quote, we've tried everything we have here. 
We've pitched everybody. We've played everybody. We've changed lineups. We've done everything I can humanly do to get this thing turned around. That's all I can do. What What do you take from that? You know what? I really don't have any problem with him saying that. It, basically, he was saying that the players have to play, and they better start playing, and this team sucks is basically what he was saying. And I have no problem with that. And, and uh, to be honest with you, I, maybe this is a wishy-washy answer. I don't think Lupinella is to blame. But then again, I, I'd have no problem if they fired him today, if they came out and gave him this pink slip. I, I, so maybe that's sitting on the fence somewhere. But to be honest with you, these are professional players. He has tried a bunch of different options, like some, some of the same stuff that I would have tried, and it doesn't seem to work. But then again, you know, why does this team, Brady, continue to have do the same things wrong fundamentally over and over and over again. You know yeah. what I mean? It's Sometimes you got to look at the manager at that point. Well, and they are professionals, and they should be able to get the job done. I mean, this is mostly the same team from the 2008 season where they were just on fire, you know, hitting everything, catching everything, uh, pitching great. And, you know, the pitching hasn't been bad, but it's the, it's the offense or lack thereof and the defense or lack thereof that's sort of been the demise of this team. I mean, even the bullpen has come around a little bit um, since the beginning of the season. You know, I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if Lou just said I've had enough and walked away. You know, I mean, I don't I don't think they should fire him because I think he's made his point uh, and a valid point at that being you know the players got to play. But I would I would not be surprised at all. I don't want to see it, but I would not be surprised at all if he just said I've had enough. I'm going to go home to Tampa. Yeah, I, I wouldn't blame him at all either. And if you think about this team, it's basically the same from from '98. I mean, I would have to say Marlon Bird is an upgrade from from Jim Edmonds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and then then the second baseman, it's it's Mark DeRosa uh, compared to, I guess, well, you got Castro playing short and Ontario over at second, so you know maybe you know somebody slid over, but it's pretty much the same team. And you know, the, some of the things that I thought were going to be a big weakness on this team was going to be their their relief pitching, especially like the setup rolls and stuff, when Guzman went out. Went out but they mm-hmm. really haven't been that bad. Well, after the first three weeks, which they were horrible. Since then, they've been pretty good. It's the veterans. It's the guys making $10 million or more a year that are jacking this team up. Yeah. Uh, Kashner has been really good. Has he given up a run yet? I don't think so. Um, I, still, I still think he's on skate. Right. I'm pretty sure. The, the signing that just made me laugh was was Bob Howry. I mean, why in the world? How can you bring that guy back? I mean, that that was ridiculous. What is yeah, Henry and I, thinking? And I, and I agree with you on that one, but you know he's actually pitched all right with the Cubs. The only well, runs he's given up so far have been unearned runs. But I'm not. I'm, I don't. I'm not counting <laughs> on that. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for batting practice to start with Bob. Howry. Yeah, I don't get that at all. I'd rather have Ashner in those situations than Howry right now. Right. Right. Uh, well, now the Cubs get to see their old friend Milton Bradley uh, up in Seattle. And, uh, by the way, the Mariners just uh, completed a three-game sweep of the Cincinnati Reds in which they gave up just one run. Um, how do you feel about a Cubs team facing a red-hot Mariners team? Well, uh, yeah, the, the Mariners, are what, they've won five in a row. That's their season-long uh, streak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what? You got to play who's ever on their schedule. For some reason, they can't beat the Pirates, who don't beat <laughs> anybody else in baseball. So I'm not going to get, uh, you know, too worried if the Dan Wakamatsu uh, Mariners are actually a little bit hot right now and playing a little bit better ball. Uh, I, I, 
do think they're going to miss Felix Hernandez because he pitched the second game of the series. So that's good for the for the Cubs. Actually, I, I think I think both teams have an off day, so the Mariners juggled their rotation, and the Cubs will see both Cliff Lee and Felix Hernandez. Uh, uh, so Hernandez is pitching the yeah. final game of the series. Well, yeah. I got to game one that against the rookie is gigantic in that series. Absolutely, because for some reason I don't care if it's Cliff Lee uh, or if it's the worst lefty in all of Major League Baseball. The Cubs cannot beat left-handed pitching right now. It's every time a lefty goes, well, never mind. They just destroyed Joe Saunders yesterday. So there goes, there goes that <laughs> statement. But before yesterday, it had not been good. So, uh, the game one is going to be really, really important. And I mean, the Mariners are one of those teams, just like the Cubs. They spent all kinds of money and, uh, you know, it looked like they upgraded their team. They got rid of a lot of like sluggers and, and well, I know they added Milton Bradley. And a lot of guys that weren't all around baseball players and added like the Sean Figgins and stuff like that. And the Cliff Lee. Yeah, and they haven't uh, played as anywhere near as well as uh, as they were supposed to. They're very similar to what the Cubs have gone through this year. Right. Well, let's let's talk about a team now that can beat the Pittsburgh Pirates, and that would be uh, the Southsiders, the Chicago White Sox. Talk about a team that's hot. They may be the hottest team in baseball. Six in a row, ten of eleven. Uh, they swept the Nationals this weekend, got back to five hundred. Uh, do you watch much White Sox baseball? Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm doing a, a, a television show now. It's called Black and Blue City. Uh-huh. I watch every single. It's basically a Cub fan, me versus a White fan, Sox fan. This guy, uh, uh, Matt Betson. I watch every single White Sox game that I possibly can watch. I, I am dumbfounded by how this team has totally changed it around because they were listless. They, they were doing just like stupid stuff. They weren't playing well fundamentally either. And then all of a sudden. The last two weeks, this team is playing like a play, like you would play in the playoffs. And believe this or not, Brady, they have not hit a home run in eight games. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, and, that's their longest streak since like '93 or something like that. Yeah, and and they're they went seven and one in those eight games. During their eight and one road trip, they hit a home run in Wrigley Field and on the Friday game, they haven't hit one since. So they're figuring out ways. Uh, if you watch them, they're running the bases like the Angels would do and. Uh, they're going out and catching the ball, and most importantly, they're getting ridiculously good starting pitching. And I've ripped Kenny Williams many, many times on two guys in a mic with Coach about how he's talking about they have the best pitching staff in, in, in baseball this year. And you know what? The last 10 days they have been, Brady. They've right. Been and very good. You mentioned something that sort of slipped through uh, the cracks of my fingers is the 8-1 and one on the road. Granted, it's against the Pirates and the Nationals, but they did see Steven Strasburg. They did win that game, um, and it was, it, like I said, it's all on the road. Um, during the stretch, they're averaging just over five runs a game while giving up just over two. Uh, we've seen time and time again that run differential is one of the biggest stats uh, for um, winning baseball teams, and right now they're getting it. Uh, and you mentioned without the without the home runs. I mean, th- this has been incredible. It, it really has been. I mean, and they're doing stuff like when... Uh... They've had they had six sacrifice flies in the last nine games during the road trip. Six sack flies, and you know if you're getting good pitching, every single run is is gigantic, and it puts so much more pressure on the other team. And if you can get RBIs, if you can drive in runs without getting hits, without getting home runs, that that helps big time. And and if you can play fundamentally sound uh, baseball, did you happen to watch the Strasburg start against the White Sox? Uh, I watched the tail end of it because I was at work, but. Um... 
there was the, you know how the basically the, the White Sox scored one run off him, and mm-hmm. the open the leadoff hitter of the game was Juan Pierre. Mm-hmm. Hit a ground ball to first baseman, and Strasburg hesitated and didn't get the first base. Right. Yeah, that I did. I did hear about that. Yeah. It was the only run he gave up. Okay. The way the Nationals' relief pitching has been this year, Tyler Clippard wasn't going to give up any runs against the White Sox. Matt Cass wasn't going to give up any runs against the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was the only run that they scored, the White Sox scored until the 11th inning. The fact that Strasburg is dominant, he's got everything, you know, every pitch, he's got the poise, blah, blah, blah. He makes one mental mistake, fundamental flaw, and it costs him a win against the White Sox. I mean, they're taking advantage of everything right now. So. A rookie, a rookie mistake from the phenom. Uh, the White Sox starters in the past 12 games are nine and one. That one being uh, Gavin Floyd's loss to the Cubs, where both pitchers took a no hitter into at least the seventh inning, um, with a 1.97 ERA in in the past 12 games. I mean, this is the kind of rotation that we all thought the White Sox would have coming into the season. Yeah, I did too, and you know. It's- Throughout the beginning of the year, you know, if you would have told me uh, on April first that Freddie Garcia was going to be eight and three, I would have <laughs> said the White Sox had the best record in baseball. Yeah, Carlos so who, Silva and Freddie Garcia will be the best pitchers in town. Who is going to take that bet? <laughs> I still don't think it's going to last throughout the rest of the year. There's, I, I really don't think it's going to last. Uh, hope you know, for the Cubs' sake, hopefully Carlos Zambrano has the greatest you know last ninety games of his career. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, yeah, you never would have thought either one of those guys were going to pitch that well. Yeah. But yeah, the Freddie Garcia, the big game Freddie. Every it seems like you know if the, if the White Sox score eight runs, he gives up six, and if they score two, he only gives up one. So, yeah. All right. Well, big dog. Let's take a break. It's ten seventeen here in Chicago. You're listening to two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Brady Stiff in for the coach. Big dog on the phone. Stay with us. Welcome back to Two Guys and Mike. Brady Stiff in for the coach. Big Dog's on the phone. And Big Dog, uh, you and I have never met in person uh, because when I'm doing the show, that means you're not. Um, But uh, you know you have a mention on Wikipedia? Yeah, I've I've been told that for the the Stump the Schwab thing. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about uh, that Stump the Schwab experience because every time that show is on ESPN Classic, I get glued to the TV for that half hour. I... uh... It was it was funny. It was one day I was a I was like a I was actually doing the show by myself. It was when we used to do the radio show on mm-hmm. uh, twelve forty, and I was just reading the Sun Times, and all of a sudden I saw those little tiny advertisements. Then uh, do you think you can stump the Schwab? Go to the Piano Man, and I was like, 
heck yeah, I can stump the Schwab. <laughs> so I, I went to the piano man, and what was funny is I called up my manager that I used to work for Verizon Wireless at the time, and I'm like, hey, I, I, have, a, I have a real important meeting to do, and he's like, what? I told him exactly what it was. I didn't lie to him. And he's like, oh, you got to go. He's like, you got to go. <laughs> so my manager on a Saturday in retail, you know how hard it is to do that? Sure, yeah. So he was, yeah, he's like, yeah, you, you've got to go that. And luckily, my boy, uh, AAA, Aaron Mishler, uh, lived in Wrigleyville right by the TN man. And he was leaving right when I was getting there, and he let me park in his spot. So that saved me, what, 20 bucks to park? Absolutely. I, I go in there, and um, th- that day alone at Piano Man, there was uh, 270 people. That tried out. And, you know, the funny thing is, Brady, is they made you take a 30-question written test, okay, in, in order to go to the next level while you were there. Right. And the best way for me to tell you is that over 80% of the people, or 90% of the people, didn't even get half right. Wow. The, the questions were difficult. The questions were like, I remember one of them that I got wrong. I, I actually got the highest out of any, out of the 4,200 people that actually did the test. I, I was, you know, I got 28 out of the 30 right. One of them that I got wrong was, who was the 2005 light heavyweight gold medal winner in the Olympics? Um, <laughs> wait, the 2005 Olympics? 2004. Oh, 2004. I was going to say, sorry. trick question. <laughs> That'd be a really tough question. <laughs> but he happened to be from Chicago. I still don't remember his name. Uh, but, you know, so, I, yeah, I did that, and then I had to do a couple different things, and, and I actually got onto the show. I was pretty happy about it, and uh, and uh, I got on, uh, and I did pretty well on the first show. I ended up stumping him, and I actually really did stump him in a sense that he thought I knew the answer, and I, like, and I didn't know what one of the answers was, uh-huh. and he had two strikes on him, and we were even in points. Okay, so I acted like I knew the answer. I like looked at him, kind of like, "Come on, give it to me, give it to me." So he didn't pass it to me, and he guessed, and he got it wrong. I think I remember that episode. I'm not lying to you. I think I remember that episode. And, and like later, he was like, "You know, that was really the first time I was actually stumped." He's like, "He's like, <laughs> did you know the answer?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I knew it." He's like, "Oh, I, I knew you did, so it doesn't bother me." And I had no idea what the answer was. <laughs> by the way, it was uh, the question to that answer was. Uh, what player led the AFL in rushing in 1964 and 1965? Got and his me. Name was, his name was Jim Nance, and I'll never forget that. And it's not the Jim Nance of... Hello, friends. Yes, it's not that one. <laughs> well, how does someone like uh, like you know so much about sports trivia? You know, I consider myself a pretty good sports fan, but uh, watching that show, I would get maybe one question right on the entire... The, the last part of that show, the showdown, I guess, I think they called it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that's what it is, the showdown. It, I, I have no idea why, why I do really well on that. Because the second time, I went right through and I got every single question right in the showdown. And the third time, you know, I, I, I have no idea why, why I'm good at it. I, I wish I could answer that question. <laughs> well, uh, according to Wikipedia, you got helped out by a, a friendly category. Uh, the Chicago Nine about the Cubs. Um, I bet that one that one was a nice surprise then, huh? Yeah, it was. It was Cubs and White Sox. And it, I mean, to be, I got to be honest with you, I don't think it would have mattered any baseball question. I think I would have got. Yeah, I, 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 I don't care if that might sound cocky, but it's true. Do you do you have a a Droid by any chance? I do not. I've got a BlackBerry. Okay. Well, when when you upgrade to a Droid, you got to. I have uh, somebody contacted me, and I'm and I'm writing. Uh, Sports trivia app. 
that I'm supposed to get paid for them in about a month and a half. I get paid every uh, three months on them. So I actually write like baseball, football, hockey, and basketball uh, trivia questions. So nice. Some guy like found out who I was and said you want to do it. So you might want to check that stuff out. So yeah, a little extra cash. Yeah, it always, it always helps. But you know, I still I'm upset about the, the championship show. Um, I had beaten the guy and was going to go to the final showdown, mm-hmm. but somebody yelled out one of the guy's answers that I went against. Okay, mm-hmm. and it was it was the right answer, and he got it, and I still would have beat him. Okay, but they made him redo it again, and he ended up. We had to do the final round again. Yeah, and I was, and I went from, oh yes, I got to the third championship. I'm going to beat him a third time. I'm going to win fifty grand. You know, seriously, I was like right. so excited. And the next, you know, they like you have to do it again. And uh, uh, it's a it's a life lesson, Brady. And it cost me fifty one thousand dollars. But uh, that's rough. I I I played the victim. Like Stuart Scott's asking me the questions, and I'm like, I'm getting screwed. I'm thinking I'm getting screwed instead of paying attention to the the questions <laughs> he's asking me. And it was a rapid fire one, you know, so I couldn't just sure. put it out of the way. And I, I totally screwed, screwed totally, totally screwed up. And um, and then the, so for the final showdown, there was the twelve questions that were asked. I knew all 11. I knew 11 of the 12, and the only one I didn't know, I would have made sure that the Schwab was answering those questions. So, you know, we did have that advantage of I would go first. Right. So I would make sure that the Schwab would have answered all those because it was goalie questions. Uh-huh. And, and like, one question, I'm not kidding you, the night before I, like, read all these lists about, uh, like, African-American first, and I'm not kidding you, that was one of the, the questions. That mm-hmm. was the questions on there. I was like, almost in tears. Cause <laughs> this one guy had bet a hundred bucks that I was going to win the whole show because they all had a pool uh-huh. there. And, and they, the, all the producers pulled me aside and they were like, we're really sorry about what happened. So they, when they asked the question, like they were sitting there, they would look at me and I would answer the question. And the, like the guy like walked away almost in tears. He's like, dude, we just, you were like, we're so sorry. We don't even know what to do. So afterwards, they felt so bad that they sent me to the ESPYs that year. <laughs> nice. I got first, I got first row at the ESPYs. It was pretty cool. So nice. Hey, are you a uh, a tennis fan? Um, you know what? I, I am. When Roger Federer is in a fifth set. <laughs> well, he's up five nil. Five nil is tennis. Five no five love. Five that, would, love that would be yeah. the correct tennis term. Uh, five love going into. Well, I guess it's the last set, and he's in uh, total control now. But he was in trouble when I got into the studio this morning. He was. Um, Trying to break serve to to save his to save his Wimbledon life, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, he was about to lose. Yeah, this is his first. It's first round, right? It's, it's first round. He's the number one seed. Um, and Alejandro Faya, who I've never heard of, I kind of doubt you have, unless no, I haven't. <laughs> I, I'm not. Yeah. Unless, I'm just uh, surprised you said his name right. I'm used to doing the show with Coach Brady, and he never gets <laughs> pronounces a name right. I was just shocked that you did. Well, I, I took Spanish in high school, so I've got a little bit of an advantage there. <laughs> I got a little bit of one. I guess. Uh, by the way, uh, have you met Neil Malone? No, no stones. No, no, I have no not. stones. No stones. Stone Paul Malone. Well, he's going to join us in a few minutes to talk World Cup. So have your Vuvuzela ready and. Uh, We'll, we'll talk some soccer. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back, talk some soccer with Neil Malone and the Big Dog. This is Two Guys and a Mike Brady Stiff in for the coach. Stay right here.
And welcome back. Two guys and a mic. Brady Stiff in for the coach. By the way, if you want to get in on the fun, 888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 888-463-6748. You can join the fun. Myself and the big dog, and now we bring in Neil Malone. Neil, you there? How you doing, Brady? How's it going? You're on with the big dog as well. We're talking some World Cup soccer. All right. Hey, big dog. I'm, I'm ready for it. I was watching it this morning. Well, Neil, are you watching the, the flopping that the Swiss are doing all over the field right now by any chance? I I am not watching that game. I'm actually taking a little uh, little break from the office, um, so so nobody has it on over here. But but uh, I know that uh, that the Swiss got a red card in the first half. It looked like uh, I think it was Barami uh, elbowed one of the Chilean players in the face. So that's always uh, good. Yeah, it it might have been a little bit excessive the red card. I have to admit, but the rest of this game I've been watching this. Every single time a Chilean player gets by a Swiss guy, the Swiss guy just falls down, and it, it's, I'm starting to get pretty frustrated. That's quite the, honest with you, I want to go slap one of these guys. That seems yeah, pretty you know that's, that's one that's one thing that um, that I struggle with, and and I've been a soccer fan, soccer player my whole life is, um, you know, when, when players go down like that, part of it is strategy, part of that is is them um, literally just trying to trying to win a free kick or, or, or put them their team in a better position. And the other part of it, part of me kind of, you know, just uh, would just hope that they, they just get up and, and stop acting like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. Um, and, and, and with some of those red cards, they may not seem like, uh, the, it may not seem like the call is, you know, fair, but there are some strict rules sometimes that, the referee, you know, kind of has his hands tied. If something happens, he has to he has to pull the card out. So now, Neil, um, what is your take on the uh, the Vuvuzelas, the those horns that keep blowing, uh, and they've made their way now to the uh, the Marlin the, the Marlins game over the weekend. They made their way to to Miami. Uh, do you find these as annoying as everybody else does? No, I don't. Um, you know what? I, I I don't know what it is, but. It's almost like I just tune them out when I'm watching. What? I can't, I can't hear you, Neil. I, I can't hear you. <laughs> I get talked right through it. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind them. Um, I, I can definitely see why people would think they're annoying. Uh, but I don't know. For me personally, it's not it's not a big deal. We actually, at the baseball team I'm working for uh, right now, we, we played some of the Vuvuzela sounds over the PA um, during one of our most recent home games, and I think it went over pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about um, Group C. It's the, the USA's uh, group, and I don't know mm-hmm. if, if this group has, has shake, shook out uh, the way anyone expected it to. I mean, USA and England are tied uh, record-wise, USA is ahead by uh, goals scored. Slovenia is atop the standings, and England could be eliminated before making it to the round of 16. I, mean, I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Yeah, for me, England is is really um, the, the biggest surprise, not in a good way, in this group. If you look at the U.S., um, you know, if that goal isn't disallowed, they're one win and one tie in the group, and that's probably what I would have put them at um, after two games. So, so 
So they're not really, I don't think the U.S. is so much underachieving as England is. England just doesn't seem to, you know, be on the same page, and they, they can't do anything. I mean, they haven't scored a goal since the fourth minute of the game against the U.S., Mm-hmm. And they have some of the you know so-called best players in the world, including one of the best strikers in the world, Wayne Rooney. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, you've got Slovenia, a country of two million people, and they're just completely overachieving. Um, they had a pretty weak goal against Algeria, but now, you know, if they can pull off a tie with England, they're advancing. So uh, they've been impressive, but but for me, England has just been awful. You know, I, I'm not going to act like I'm a, an expert or anything here, but I, I've watched both uh, the English games and the, the what do you call it? The, I forget the name of the guy in ESPN who actually played for England. And basically, what he says, their whole thing is everybody's so afraid to make a mistake and be the goat because of the English press that they're mm-hmm. not actually going out and making plays because they don't want to be the one that gets hammered by the media for making something stupid. I mean, and. Uh, like the the, the English uh, with the London uh, Times uh, headline, like "Hand of Clod" when Green mm-hmm. played the goal. I mean, they don't want to be that guy, and that's actually hurt the team. He said. By the way, we got yeah, a, absolutely. We we got a score update. Uh, Chile one nil over Switzerland. They scored a power play goal, if you will, still in hockey mode right. here in Chicago. Uh, so Chile yeah. one, Switzerland nothing. Well, there you go. I have chili in the office pool, so that makes me, uh, that makes me a little <laughs> bit excited. Why, as a matter of but, yeah, but, yeah, back to what you're saying, Big Dog, is I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think, you know, players, and not just on England, a lot of other teams, they're, they're playing scared. They would rather not be this, the, uh, you know, the goat, as you were saying, uh, and just kind of be, I guess, included in the rest of the team. Uh, but that's a dangerous way to look at things, and, and you can see why um, with England only having two points. You know, at this point, you have to leave it all out on the field because a lot of teams, including Algeria, uh, Slovenia, every team, when when they go to battle on Wednesday, they, they have to basically win if they're going to try to put themselves into a position to advance. So you have to leave it all out there. You can no longer think to yourself, Oh well, I don't want to be the one blamed for this. Um, I, I think Robert Green, the goalkeeper in the, in the for England in the uh, U.S. game, I think he's already, um, you know, one of the one of the scapegoats already. So I think England players just need to toss caution to the wind and, and go after it. Maybe yeah, maybe that's the best strategy is when they when they play. I mean, we saw it with uh, you know the Blackhawks to use another hockey analogy when they play aggressively. There's no one who can beat him. Do you think it's the same way with with England? Um, I think to to an extent maybe, uh, but I think England is really overrated. I, I just don't. Uh, not only do I think they can't play with that well as a team, I just think a lot of their players um, individually, you know, they they come from a league where they're um, applauded and basically. Uh, glorified every week, and I, I just I just don't think they're that great on the world scale. So, so I think yes, England should be one of those teams skill wise that should advance the at least the quarterfinals. But if they're not going to play as a team, then I don't I don't see anything happening. I, guys, I could really see them uh, tying Algeria or something something like that. Um, but I, I think you'll see a lot of open play between. And I meant Slovenia, by the way. But uh, 
I think you'll see a lot of open play in the U.S. Algeria game and a lot of open play in the England Slovenia game because everybody has to get a result. Yeah, and, and the open play, I mean, that really does make a difference because in the North Korean Portugal game today, it was a really yep. close game. North Korea was doing everything it could not to give up a goal, and it wasn't really getting any offensive attack. They gave up a goal to Portugal, and all of a sudden they needed to score in order for a chance to advance. And Portugal scored six more goals <laughs> in, in like 20 minutes. I, I've never wow. seen anything like it. So I, I guess when like the difference between tight and open play is extreme in this sport. It's yeah, really and that's why, that's why I didn't understand when, when people – and a lot of them weren't big soccer fans, but they were complaining after the first round of games that there weren't many goals. You know, what's wrong with this World Cup? Why aren't people scoring? Well, most of the teams were entering game one just trying not to make a fatal error to, to set them back and, and lose three points right away. I knew that, you know, and a lot of people knew that, that it was going to open up once round two and three hit because teams knew what they had to do. So, like I said, if you know, if if you see U.S. go down again early to Algeria one nothing, you're going to see them throw everything but the kitchen sink at the defense, and that could uh, result in Algeria, you know, having more open counterattacks and stuff. So I think we're going to see a lot of goals, um, not only in the remainder of the second round, uh, the second group stage games, but also the third. And, and Neil, Algeria can still advance right if they win. There's, I mean, I'm saying that if they do win, they still might not go, but if they win, they actually still can advance, right? Yes, if Algeria wins against the U.S. and then uh, Slovenia somehow beats England, um, yeah, Algeria and Slovenia are going to be your two teams advancing. I think so it's... Algeria has a reason to score goals then, so that they really could open it up for the U.S. Yeah, everybody has a reason. Everybody basically has everything and nothing to lose at the same time. So um, I think it's going to be exciting. I'm pretty... I'm pretty disappointed that I'll probably be in the office during the U.S. game. So is that on Wednesday? Might be, uh, might be hearing some screams, but uh, but yeah. So is that U.S. game on Wednesday against Algeria? Yeah, and it's and it's kind of weird. Um, both of those Group C games are going to be played at the same exact time, um, so ne- none of the teams are going to basically know what they have to do going in. Right, uh, uh, which which I think is pretty. It kind of tosses a whole other side to it. Are all eight groups doing that? I don't believe so, because uh, on Wednesday you're also going to have two afternoon games, I think. Uh, I think Ghana Ghana and Serbia maybe, or uh, or no, maybe Ghana and Germany. Yeah, Ghana and Germany and Serbia and somebody else. So um, I think they're starting to pack up the schedule a little bit before uh, before the knockout round comes. Speaking of Germany, is that your biggest surprise team of this tournament so far, or is it someone else? Well, I wasn't surprised when they went out and won 4-0 over Australia, but then they lose to Serbia 1-0. They get, one of their best strikers gets a red card. Um, so, I mean, I, I was not surprised once they got that red card that, that they dropped some points in that Serbia game, but... Um, I am surprised. I guess that they that they're sitting at three points, um, but you know they control their own destiny. I, I I would expect them to to win their next game. Six points will do it. So the fact that they beat Australia um, already helps. But one of my biggest surprises, um, I, 
uh, New Zealand's a pretty big surprise. You know, they go out and tie Slovakia and Italy. I mean, this is a team that has never scored a goal in the World Cup before. And on the other point, Italy is pretty disappointing. They've only yeah. salvaged two ties themselves. Right. Um, Neil, the Italian press, the way they ripped New Zealand before the game, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm pretty happy about that. That was pretty funny. The stuff that they said about the New Zealand team, and basically they were saying yep. that Italy was going to name the score in that game. And the only way the, the, the only Italian score came when some guy like faked a trip and, and, you know, and fell down right in front of the net and they got a penalty kick or else they could have lost to New Zealand. Yep, that's right. And, wow. yeah, and I thought it was pretty funny too because I'm not a huge fan of the Italian team. I think they're a bunch of divers and I think they, skill wise, I think they're just a little bit soft. Now they are the defending champs, but, this roster this year, I don't really like, and um, I'll tell you what, they got a soft goal in the first game against Paraguay to tie it. Uh, I think it should have been, I, I can't remember if it was, it should have been an offsides or a, a handball or something. I think it might have been a handball. So that was soft in the first game, and then, like you said, they scored on a penalty in the second game against New Zealand. Otherwise, New Zealand would have won. Um, and even a tie for the Italians was, I guess, "Quote unquote embarrassing." Um, so, so yeah, I thought that was a little bit humorous. But yeah, you got to look at those two teams as as a, Italy as a disappointment and New Zealand as a surprise. Now, I don't think New Zealand's going to end up advancing, but um, still, you know, it's pretty good story. What about the French? What in the world is going on with this French team? This is uh, a circus um, on a world stage. Uh, you know, an event that only comes around every four years. And this team is literally falling apart uh, during the event. What in the world is going on? Yeah, talk about not having your head in it. I mean, like you said, you put it into perspective. It's the, it's on a world stage, uh, probably the most people watching ever uh, in the world, and, and you're just going to explode like this. They've expelled their their top striker, Nicholas Anelka, who plays for Chelsea um, during his club season. Uh, because he got into a tiff with the with the coach, the I don't know if it's, I think it was the strength and conditioning or fitness coach. He quit because he got in an argument with uh, the manager Raymond Dominic, and then the team refuses to play. They just go on the bus and refuse to practice. Apparently, they're back practicing now, but it's pretty embarrassing. And remember, guys, France shouldn't even be in this World Cup. I mean, right. no. they have some of the best players in the world, but. That handball against Ireland, um, that's the only reason why they're here. So I guess it's a little bit of karma, huh? Poetic justice, I guess. Right. uh, Yeah, they're just exploding. You know, you you talk about, I think still the most embarrassing moment they have is when uh, the strength and conditioning coach, when he he quit, did you see him throw his whistle? I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you're you're supposed to be a strength and conditioning coach, a fitness guy. I mean, you threw it like a girl. I mean, that was pretty funny. (laughs) To me, that was the funny. Yeah, that was weak. Yeah, you think you could storm out in a more in a better fashion? You know, guys. Every four years, I always like because I only watch this or the Concacaf Cup. I'm not going to act like I'm a gigantic uh, soccer fan, but every four years, I'm like, wow, this is actually I, I love this. This is good stuff. But th- please, they cannot have another World Cup in the far southern hemisphere at this time of year when it's almost winter. Because what I miss mostly are the Paraguayan girls, the South Koreans, the Italian <laughs> girls, basically wearing nothing in the stands. I, you know, I hate to tell you, but that's that's half the interest for me. Yeah, yeah they're all covered up in jackets. What's up with that? Yeah, it's, They've it's all got so jackets far. and scarves and hats on. It's no good. That's uh, southern, that Southern Hemisphere thing is weird. 
Um, Neil, uh, one quick question. Uh, do you think, uh, that this, this whole World Cup is going to continue to raise soccer awareness and interest in America with, you know, th- that missed call and the, the controversy from that game? You know, if they advance out of the, out of the group stage, um, what, I mean, soccer's always been little brother to, to football, uh, baseball, basketball, and hockey. Uh, is this World Cup going to increase interest in, in American soccer? Well, I sure hope so because it's one of my favorite sports and I've always been a big soccer fan. I'll tell you, you know, no matter what sport you like, if you were watching that USA Slovenia game in the second half and you saw that comeback, uh, and then you saw that, that winning goal ripped away from him, there's no way, you know, any sane person could could not get into that. I mean, that was just unbelievable stuff. It was really disappointing that the ref, uh, you know, basically changed the game with, with his whistle. But um, I think so. But I, Brady and, and Big Dog, I think you're looking at, I think you're looking at your answer on Wednesday. If the U.S. can win that game and advance into the knockout round like they haven't done since 2002, um, I think you could be looking at, at a lot of interest. But if the U.S. does not advance, it's, it's just another step back because, you know, there's all this hype, there's all this hype, and then we can't beat Slovenia or or Algeria. You know, tying England right. was admirable, but but they ended up not playing well, anyways. But so I, I think Wednesday is a is a huge huge day for American soccer. Um, I think it will continue to grow no matter what. But it, you know, if the U.S. can somehow pull it off on Wednesday and then and then maybe win a game or two in the knockout round, I think that would do wonders for the sport. Well, Neil, how about I book you now for Friday? And uh, we'll be talking some soccer, hopefully talking about a U.S. Uh, matchup in the round of 16. How about that? That that would be fantastic. And uh, if Germany does what they're supposed to, uh, I believe we might be meeting them in the first round of the uh, quarterfinal or the quarterfinal round. So a formidable uh, foe in the uh, quarterfinal round for the United States. Yeah, I think that's what it is. If the if like if the U.S. finishes second um, in our group and they finish first or something, we meet we meet Germany. Um, but who knows? I mean, they they could they could uh, step on their own toe as well on on Wednesday. So. All right. Well, Neil, you uh, you have a good uh, week. We'll talk to you on Friday. And uh, by the way, congrats on your first ever uh, horse race winner. You had you texted me. Over the weekend, uh, yeah, <laughs> a little was, Canterbury uh, Park action. The devil, not me, rode uh, rode to well, not victory, I guess, but second place, and that's what I I made my bet on. So that was good. I, I had good luck. Well, there you go. Hopefully, you're hooked now because uh, you and I got to go to the track sometime. I have to say, I I didn't think I would like it that much, but I, I had a fantastic time, and I I'm itching to go back. So. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk yeah. to you on Friday. All right. Go USA. We'll talk Friday. All Later right. Neil. All right. See you guys. All right. That's Neil Malone talking some World Cup. Hopefully, we'll do the same on Friday. Uh, we'll take our final break. It's 1048 here in the Chicagoland area. You're listening to Two Guys and Mike, Brady Stiffen for the coach. Big dog on the phone. Keep it right here.
And welcome back to Two Guys and a Mike. Brady Stiff in for the coach. Big Dog on the phone. Big Dog, for our last segment, we got about 10 minutes here. I want to do something um, that I like to call uh, Case of the Mondays. You know, being it Monday and all. Uh, I haven't seen Office Space in a long time, but it's a really funny movie. I'm sure you've seen it. Oh, of course, yes. So let's let's discuss a few candidates for uh, Case of the Mondays. And we'll start with... Uh, with uh, Dustin Johnson, I don't know if you saw his monumental uh, collapse out at Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open, but uh, he's got to be feeling it a little bit today. Hey, it's the worst fourth round of any uh, 54-hole leader in the history, not in the history, but since 1911 in the U.S. Open. He shot oh. an 82 yesterday. Ouch. Oh, he can't feel good today. Yeah, I think I could shoot 82 on Tiger Woods' um, the video game on Pebble Beach. I bet I could shoot 82. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you could. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the, the biggest collapse since 1911 or something that opened the door for Graham McDowell to come through um, and win his first PGA Tour event, the U.S. Open. Do you know how old Graham McDowell is? Because I, I don't. Do you know how old he is? Uh, well, I, I, I was looking at him yesterday. I would have to get, he's guess he's 40, right in that range, right about 40. Really? He looks well. He well. He's bald. I guess it doesn't mean you're you're forty. <laughs> hey, I'm balding. I'm twenty three. Come on now. Oh wow. Well, yeah, <laughs> I've actually I just shaved it all off, so I'm not ripping a guy for being bald. But he, he, I guess he's just losing his hair a little early. Is the best way to say it. But yeah, there he, you go. He's definitely in his thirties. Definitely. Interesting. 30s. Interesting. All right. So we have Dustin Johnson. We also have we we talked a little bit about the French national soccer team. How how embarrassing really is this? Put put this in perspective for us. How embarrassing is it for not only the soccer team but for an entire country? You you know what? Because you know you can play poorly, and you know what that'll happen. It's only two games. I know it's it's every four years, and you got to understand that you got to play great on those particular days. But you know what? Stuff like that happens every once in a while. But to act the way they have, did you hear that the striker? What he said to the coach? You know, it, it's funny. We probably it's, can't repeat it on radio because we don't speak French, but probably because it was profanity-laced as well. Uh, Brady, you can't repeat it on television either, and it just so <laughs> happened that Bob Lee on ESPN asked some guy that was there what happened, and the guy just flat out said it. So on ESPN, oh boy. Uh, Bob Lee immediately was like, oh, we appreciate you, <laughs> what you just said. But... <laughs> and then right when he got off the phone, he, he apologized. He's wow. like, like, we're really sorry for anybody who was offended by that. And, uh I have to admit it was pretty funny because the guy said it in a French accent, and it it sounded much prettier, you know, when the way he said it. Right. Why don't you go have yourself? You want a piece of poo-poo. But, yeah, it sounded, <laughs> you know, it sounded pretty good. There. Oh, so there, there's the French. We talked about uh, Dustin Johnson. Uh, I guess we could put the aforementioned Alejandro Faya in there. Uh, he did lose to Federer. Federer um, absolutely dominated the fifth and final set. Uh, winning, I think, six love uh, in that final set. Uh, you have a chance to eliminate from Wimbledon the number one seed. Is he the number one player overall? He's either number one or two. Well, um, yeah, he lost it to uh, to Nadal. So right now he's the number one seed at Wimbledon, but he's the number two overall uh, player in the world as we speak. Either way, you have a chance to eliminate the greatest tennis player ever. Right, Roger Federer. You have to get that done. You, you. I think he had a five game. He had five games in the in the fourth set, didn't he? Yes, yes, he did. And uh, and then uh, Federer, Federer came back. I don't know, know how many. He, I think 
he was definitely up in the fourth set, and he had won the first two and couldn't put him away. Right. So uh, he's got to be. Uh, I wonder what his press conference is going to be like. You know, how, how does how do you ask a question like that? You know, you you have Federer on the ropes, and then you blow it. What, what do you what do you ask him? I mean, how do you make him not cry? <laughs> you know, at, at this point, I think the guy maybe was maybe surprised that uh, what was going on and is surprised really that he found himself in that situation. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's like, hold on a second, I'm about to beat the number one player in the world. And then right when he realized it, that's, that's when it all went downhill from there is probably what happened. Yeah, I think the the pressure got to him a little bit because Federer played that last set like um, as if he was beating someone in straight sets. I mean, it was it was vintage Roger Federer. You know, the, the, the Spaniards have played the Swiss in soccer, and it happened the same day that Federer and uh, Nadal had matched up last. And they both talked about how it was like they're aren't they in the same grouping, Spain and uh, and Switzerland. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. And I guess the Federer's a gigantic uh, soccer fan, so maybe he was having a, a case of the Mondays also from the fact that he dropped the first two sets to a guy, and maybe he's worried about what's going on with the Swiss football team. Could be. Could be. Uh, one last candidate, and then we'll we'll debate who has the worst case of the Mondays. Um, I don't know if you're a NASCAR fan, but uh, yesterday out in California at a road course, I think it's called Sonoma, uh, used to be called Sears Point, I believe, uh, Jimmy Johnson won the race, which is was his first um, first road course victory. Of course, this guy's won, what, four championships in a row in NASCAR? Mm-hmm, four and in a row. Four in a row. And he was in second place in the last few laps, and this guy, Marcos Ambrose, uh, has never won a Sprint Cup Series race before, was in the lead uh, with about six laps left, and he was running out of gas, so he's trying to conserve gas by switching his car off while it's you know while they're just coasting, and then switching it back on when he needs to get on the gas. Well, apparently he just kind of missed and messed up, and he stopped in the middle of the racetrack, and Jimmy Johnson took over the lead and. The rest is history, as they say. I mean, that's that's got to be the worst. Yeah, oh, that yeah, that's bad. And you know, when when you miss time, you know, like starting it back up and stuff, I, I don't blame the guy. That's pretty tricky. You know, I I would have to say the the pit boss, the the the, the pit crew manager has got to be the one that's uh, the crew chief has got to be the one that has the worst case of the Mondays because he's the one who miscalculated everything in the long run. There's no reason for him not to have enough gas at, at the end. Right. So, you know what? Sometimes, like, if you have enough gas and, it, like, in lap 100, you keep the guy out there a little bit longer, even though his tires might be a, a little bit bad for the simple fact that you know you don't want to have to come back with four laps to go. You, you know, you have to figure this out early on in the race when you take the pit stops in order to put your gas in. So, as much as you can say, you know, <laughs> this Ambrose guy messed up because he didn't switch it on in time. He shouldn't have been in that position, so both of them, the crew chief, too, has got to feel horrible. Right. So, real quick, because we're running out of time, who has the worst case of the Mondays? I would say the whole French football team. <laughs> All right, that's Big Dog Joel Radwanski. I'm Brady Stiff. I'll be back on Friday. In the meantime, check out my blog, the nbr.wordpress.com. For more, I've got a, a post on the Blackhawks up, more coming. Until Friday, take it easy. This is Two Guys and a Mike, Brady Stiff. Big dog Joel Radwanski.